1983, WXPR 91.7 hit the airwaves for the first time. This is a Northern Voice, 91.7, WXPR Rhinelander. Welcome to WXPR, bringing public radio to Hodag country. Over the past four decades, WXPR Public Radio has brought unique music, local news, and impactful programming to northern Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. To celebrate our 40th anniversary, WXPR founder Peter Norgren is taking a look back and sharing how it all began. This is part one of five of WXPR, the story of how it started. This is Peter Nordgren, and this is the WXPR story. In telling the story, I'd like to answer some of the questions that listeners might have about uh, WXPR's background and history. Questions like, what other radio stations uh, went before WXPR and inspired it? And what did it take to create WXPR? Why it happened at the time it did? And why is WXPR in Wisconsin's Northwoods? I'd like to start by setting the stage, if you would, for uh, WXPR and t talking a little bit about the background that leads up to it. There are three strains of radio that kind of come together. The first is community radio. The second is public service radio broadcasting. And the third is educational radio. I'll talk about community radio first because uh, it has really contributed the most to what WXPR is. The idea of community radio really sprang up in California in the late 1940s. Specifically, it emerged in Berkeley, California with a radio station called KPFA. And it came together mostly due to the uh, ideas and resources of a man named Lewis Kimball Hill, or Lou Hill, if you wish, who was a uh, former journalist and uh, a philanthropist of sorts, a person at least with uh, uh, access to some money, and an idea of uh, creating a radio station that would allow people to talk about different ideas than were heard on uh, both commercial radio stations that existed at the time and educational radio as it was in the 1940s, which had a lot to do with uh, classroom instruction. Lou Hill's idea was rather different. He was interested in, in public affairs and he was interested in talking about the issues, so to speak, of the day. And he was interested in peace. He was an advocate for peace and uh, had been a conscientious objector during World War II and provided public service in lieu of serving in the military. Lou Hill uh, created the radio station uh, KPFA in 1949, and KPFA uh, led to what is called the Pacifica Foundation. And the Pacifica Foundation these days uh, operates radio stations in places like New York City, Washington, D.C., Houston, Texas, and of course, uh, continues to operate uh, KPFA in Berkeley, as well as uh, KPFK in uh, the Los Angeles area. What Hill really contributed, though, to uh, community radio as uh, carried out by WXPR is two things. One is the idea of bringing people in from the community and 
having them help operate the station as uh, announcers and programmers and volunteers of various kinds. And also, Hill created the idea of uh, voluntary listener support of this kind of non-commercial broadcasting. And so uh, when you uh, hear people on the air who uh, live in your community, you can thank Lou Hill for that, and you can thank him too for pledge drives. Community radio spread not only through Hill's efforts, but also uh, through others, uh, a notable person among that is Lorenzo Milam. Milam was a volunteer at KPFA in Berkeley and also was uh, somewhat independently uh, wealthy and was able to build or support other radio stations like KPFA in places uh, like Gilroy, California and St. Louis. The significant thing that Milam contributed was a book the book called Sex and Broadcasting, Building a Radio Station for the Community. He used sex in the title, by the way, to uh, see if that would help increase sales of the book. I came across that book while doing research for my master's degree at uh, University of Wisconsin-Stout. The ideas that Milam shared there, as well as the uh, detailed instructions for building a community radio station, really kind of fired my interest. Talking about uh, public service broadcasting, the second strain of radio that contributes to WXPR, we think about government and state broadcasting as it exists. Probably the best example of that is uh, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and CBC Radio. Any of you who have been uh, near the Canadian border or into Canada are familiar with uh, CBC's multiple channels that they uh, serve Canada. One of the uh, highlights of the CBC in the 1980s in a program that I personally miss was CBC Sunday Morning, which it was a uh, rather relaxed sort of a radio news magazine. We carried CBC Sunday morning during uh, the first years of WXPR's broadcasting and right up to the time when uh, the CBC, for whatever reason, took the program off the air and no longer made it available to uh, American public broadcasters. But if you uh, have traveled internationally, you might be familiar with the BBC or uh, other forms of public service broadcasting done internationally, notably some of the people who began uh, NPR's news magazines had done work uh, with the BBC and the CBC. And that too is uh, one of the contributors to what WXPR is. The third example is educational radio, and that was really invented right here in Wisconsin with uh, what is now Wisconsin Public Radio emerged originally in 1917 in Madison with WHA AM radio there, a station that uh, continues to broadcast. Educational radio uh, was first probably focused on instruction, putting out programs that would be heard in the classrooms. But it evolved and uh, eventually became something more broad and I think uh, can be recognized as uh, one of the forerunners of national public radio's programming and the news magazine programs that they broadcast. 
uh, educational broadcasting primarily came from universities and uh, some from public schools and uh, kind of had two flavors of its own. One, as I mentioned, was uh, originally instructional. The other is what we call college radio, stations that originate from a college or university but are mostly programmed by the students there and tend to uh, reflect programming that uh, students on university campuses like to hear. Both of those kinds of stations continue, although uh, instructional radio, uh, other than places like uh, perhaps the outback of Australia, has kind of faded away in terms of a more of a public service direction. So those things all contribute to uh, where WXPR has come from in a general sense. And now let's talk some specifics. The most direct inspiration for WXPR is a station in Grand Rapids, Minnesota called KAXE. There were three students at St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota, who worked with the uh, fine arts kind of radio station that St. Olaf had, WCAL. There are a number of stations that have had primarily a fine arts classical radio focus, sort of within the world of educational broadcasting. Three students at St. Olaf College in Northfield, Rich McClear, Dave Mulvick, Susie McClear, who at some point or another in the early 1970s got the brainstorm to uh, create a community-based public radio station in rural northern Minnesota. The community they settled on is Grand Rapids, a community that is a great deal like Rhinelander. It's a community that rose up originally around the logging industry and specifically about around the paper industry and serves uh, a large area that has lots of lakes and lots of resorts and cabins and not a whole lot of people. But enough, they felt that uh, this station would succeed. KAXE, through many challenges, went on the air in 1976, just the time that I arrived in northern Minnesota. And let's uh, stop here, and if you don't mind, I'll talk a little bit about how I got to northern Minnesota and heard KAXE and got connected with it. I grew up in northwest Wisconsin in a little town called Couturier, not too far from Hayward. My radio background, I think, was fed by uh, my parents listening to a uh, remarkable commercial radio station, uh, WCCO, that broadcast from Minneapolis and St. Paul and continues to broadcast to this day on AM radio. Any of you who have read uh, Garrison Keillor's uh, WLB stories or the book he collected them in, will recognize that WCCO contributed a lot of the ideas that Garrison Keillor used in uh, creating WLB. I also, like uh, most kids of the 1960s, listened to WLS from Chicago, a uh, very loud rock and roll station that broadcast a lot of different music, Motown, British uh, invasion music, and American rock and roll. And I also listened to KAAY from Little Rock, Arkansas, a station that was a lot like WLS, but with the exception that 
after 11 o'clock at night on weekdays, they broadcast a program called Beaker Street, helmed by a, uh, a young announcer named Clyde Clifford. Beaker Street continues and is still broadcast on stations in Arkansas, and you can stream it if you want to hear it. Uh, it tends to focus on music not normally heard on the air. And um, that sort of concept, I think, contributed a lot to uh, uh, my interest in radio. When I got to the University of Wisconsin-Superior, uh, I was uh, surprised and amazed, really, to find that there was a radio station in the university, WSSU. I eventually became involved with WSSU, worked on the air, worked as a uh, uh, technician, uh, did a lot of technical work with the station, and it gave me preparation for uh, getting involved with uh, radio down the road. Anyway, after uh, getting my, uh, my master's degree, as I mentioned, at the University of Wisconsin-Stout, uh, where I did volunteer work at that university's uh, radio station, WVSS, I ended up at Bemidji State University in northern Minnesota, uh, as the director of that university's radio stations, it had two. It had an FM station, KBSB, that continues to broadcast. And it had a uh, closed-circuit radio station heard only on campus uh, called KDRS. And those stations are still there, as far as I know. At that time, I heard KAXE from Grand Rapids. I got to know the people who started KAXE through an association called the Association of Minnesota Public and Educational Radio Stations, or AMPERS, and that gave me an opportunity to uh, talk a lot with the people who built uh, KAXE about how they got it done and, and uh, what they were doing in the community. I was interested in helping build a new radio station. And Bemidji State had um, the ambition to have one, but the university's administration couldn't quite make up its mind how to proceed with uh, creating a, uh, a more uh, community-minded public radio station. Ultimately, that led me to, uh, to begin to look elsewhere. And as I went through the process of uh, learning more about what, the, uh, what was going on nationally, in the effort to uh, expand public radio access across the United States, I began to look around for other communities where it would be feasible to build a station. And that is what led to Rhinelander. I'll talk more about Rhinelander and how uh, WXPR landed there in my next session. You've been listening to WXPR, the story of how it started. New episodes are released Fridays online at WXPR.org or wherever you get your podcasts.